Welcome to Raising the Bar, the one and only podcast that centers the lives and experiences of women of color while discussing legal issues and policies. We aim to inform, educate, and provide concrete tools to empower, expand, and raise the bar for our communities and ourselves. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. What up, what up, what up? This is Iman with Raising the Bar. How are you all? I miss y'all. I hope everyone is enjoying this almost summer. It is June 13th. That's the day that I'm recording this episode. And summer is amongst us. And I hope that you all are enjoying this wonderful weather. Uh, Just real quick, www.rtbpodcast.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the number one RTB podcast. So today's episode is very informative, like all of them. (laughs) But this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, cell phones and law enforcement. And I think this is probably an episode that everyone should listen to. It's going to be a quick episode, so definitely send it to, especially, you know, our young people, um, you know, to just let them know. I think it gives, I'm going to give, you know, just a quick update on where the courts are, um, you know, if the, if law law enforcement compels you to unlock your phone. So I, yeah, so definitely send this to anyone who may need it. But first let's talk about you know, let's start with a positive quote for today or just a, a brief discussion discussion um, that hopefully can inspire you to uh, work towards a better you. So I picked a quote from Brene Brown. If you have not looked at her Netflix um, episode, I think that you should. Her next, I'm sorry, her Netflix special. I think that you should. It was great. But this one talks about shame. And I can, you know, just complete transparency, I can say shame is definitely an emotion that I've experienced. Um, And I think sometimes shame shame can keep us in a cycle of really not not showing up as our best selves because we're, you know, we're, we're experiencing shame. But the quote says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. I'll say it again. If we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. And I'm learning that more than ever where, you know, I've gone through things in the past couple of years and I, you know, I kind of suffered in silence because of the shame and of the guilt and, you know, me not wanting to, um, just me not people, me caring what other people thought of me and my actions. And I had to acknowledge that, you know, one, I was ashamed, but recently I've been more vocal about, you know, what I'm going through and my, my thoughts and my subconscious behavior, um, my subconscious behaviors and patterns. And, you know, I've been sharing my story. Um, probably not something I share on the podcast, but, I will definitely, if you are going through something um, in which you feel ashamed or you feel, you know, you, you feel that, you know, it's very difficult to talk to, uh, talk about, I would definitely say find someone um, that is empathetic. Because I don't think, I acknowledge that you can't talk to every everything about, everyone about everything, right? Um, there's some things that you have to reserve for 
the people closest to you, but make sure that, you know, you can find someone that can understand you and can be empathetic and can help you kind of put those building blocks together um, to overcome um, a lot of things that we may go through. So um, up next, we are going to talk about can law enforcement compel you to unlock your phone? And I will say that right now, based on most courts' interpretation, it depends. It depends on if you uh, lock your phone with a passcode or with a touch or face ID. So definitely stay tuned and we'll get into it. So where are we with you know, this whole, can police force me to unlock my phone? Okay, so before we even get into that, there are a couple of Supreme Court cases that I just wanted to start with that kind of talks about law enforcement in your phone and searches and seizures, right? And so let's just get this out the way. In 2014, Riley v. California, the Supreme Court ruled that the police you know, need a warrant to kind of search your cell phone. So that in and of itself, anyone who's been arrested, the police just can't, after they arrest you, just start to go through your phone. You know, they actually need a warrant to do so. So let's talk about that. So I want to, you know, that's the basis of this conversation to begin with, right? And then in 2018, the Supreme Court also ruled that the police must obtain a search warrant to access your cell phone location information, right? And so we know that they need a warrant to search your phone and they need a warrant to um, um, to obtain your location information. Now, once they've received that warrant, they actually need to get into the phone. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do they get into the phone once they've obtained a search warrant? Now, there are a couple of cases um, the Supreme Court hasn't weighed in on this particular issue um, because largely the two cases that I talked about dealt with the Fourth Amendment. And I think this issue, and I'm going to talk about it, deals with the Fifth Amendment, right? And and just, you know, for those who don't know, the Fifth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment protects um, individuals from incriminating, um, from self, self-incrimination. And so... When you think about or when you talk about, you know, can the police compel you to unlock your phone, largely the courts have said it depends on how your phone is locked. And what I mean by that, the first case that I found or kind of the oldest case was a case out of Virginia and it was a trial court. So this can very well be overturned, but it was a trial court in 2014 and the facts, you know, the defendant's name was David Boss. He was charged with strangling a woman, um, and he authorities believe that the assault may have been captured on film. He had a recording device in his bedroom, and that recording device transmitted footage to his cell phone. The police um, seized his cell phone. They got a warrant, but he refused to unlock his phone, and that's when the prosecution filed a motion to compel him to do so. Um, the Virginia State Trial Court in this um, case said that the suspect cannot be compelled to produce his passcode to access his smartphone, but can be compelled to produce his fingerprint to do the same. So they said, no, you know, we can't make him give you the passcode, but we can make him, um, you know, provide his fingerprint if the fingerprint can, um, if, if he uses touch ID at the time. Now, 
the analysis and the reason why I say the fifth, uh, the fifth Amendment is at issue here is the analysis turn on whether a passcode or a fingerprint is testimonial communication, right? And so the judge in the Virginia case ruled that passwords were entitled to protection under the Fifth Amendment. And, and you know, the Fifth Amendment's promise is that no person shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against themselves, right? And what they said and what the court said was that the password existed only in his mind, right? And by compelling him to give you the passcode, it constituted testimonial communication. But on the other hand, he said, but the fingerprint or compelling him to give you his fingerprint is not the same. It's not testimonial communication. And it did not qualify for the Fifth Amendment privilege. Um, you know, in this case, the, the judge noted that producing a fingerprint did not require the communication of knowledge but was rather analogous to being ordered to produce DNA or a key, right? And so largely this case, you know, a lot of courts have kind of followed the same logic. There's an Indiana, this, there's actually an Indiana case. Um, I think that they had arguments in front of the highest court in Indiana. In that case, um, an individual uh, reported to law enforcement that she had been a victim of rape. And she allowed detectives to examine her iPhone for evidence, but the state ended up actually not filing charges. And instead, the detective suspected that she, the, the person who actually alleged the rape, she was actually harassing um, the, the alleged rapist with spoofed calls and texts. And she was ultimately arrested and charged with felony stalking. Now, the state not only sought a search warrant to go through her phone, um, but a court order to force her to unlock it. She refused. She invoked the Fifth Amendment. The trial court held her in contempt, and then the immediate appeals court reversed. And so I think they're going. I think that the um, they will. I think they already heard arguments. They heard arguments. I believe April of this year, um, and then most recently there was a case out of U.S. District Court for Northern District of California, which actually kind of um, this, the decision in this case was by a magistrate judge, and it actually is different from the kind of longstanding practice of, yet, no, you don't have to give your passcode, but yes, you have to give your biometric information, which is your touch, touch ID or face ID. And in that decision, Judge Westmore declared that the government did not have the right even with the warrant, to force, suspects, to force suspects to incriminate themselves by unlocking their devices with their biological features. Um, and so, like I said, previously, courts have decided that, you know, passcodes were not testimonial. Um, but, you know, this court, you know, this judge in particular said that technology is outpacing the law and that fingerprints and face scans were not the same as physical evidence when considered in a context where those body features would unlock the would unlock a phone. And I think the court basically said or in in this decision or in this um yeah, in this decision, you know, if a person cannot be compelled to provide passcode because it's testimonial communication, a person should not be compelled to provide one's finger, thumb, iris, face or other biometric feature feature to unlock the same device. That, like I said, is kind of a departure from, you know, the policy that's, you know, Im implemented in across this country. So we will see. Um, right now, I think, you know, 
because that is, you know, that, that, um, that decision was by a magistrate judge. It's very possible that that decision can be overturned. You know, I'm not sure as far as where that implementation, I think it happened January of 2019. So California hit me up and let me know <laughs> what's going on in your state. I will say that, you know, I did read an article recently and I'm trying to pull up the article where, you know, there was someone who was forced to, yeah. So the feds did recently, this is an article from September, 2018, where the feds did force a suspect to unlock his Apple phone, his Apple, his Apple iPhone X with their face. Um, it was a child abuse investigation and yeah, they forced him to unlock his phone with his face. It happened on August 10th. FBI searched the house of 28 year old Grant Mikowski. He was a Columbus, Ohio resident. And with a search warrant in hand, a federal investigator told Machowski to put his face in front of his phone, which he duly did. That that allowed the agent to pick through the suspect's online chats, photos, and whatever else he deemed worthy of investigation. Now, also keep in mind that I know with iPhone, you have two, I think there's 48 hours in which you can actually use your touch or face ID. And if it's been 48 hours since you've used it, your phone will require a passcode. I do know that. I'm not sure with Droid. So, yeah, so I, you know, definitely want to keep this in mind. Um, you know, this is something that I think is relevant to anyone who actually has a phone. Um, and, and I think, you know, partly the conversation in California about whether or not law is keeping up with technology, I, I think that's a, a valid concern. And I think the courts, especially the Supreme Court, you know, with this recent ruling as far as, you know, pertaining to the Fourth Amendment and search unlegal or illegal searches, the Supreme Court acknowledges that our phone is a wealth of information, right? It's not, it, 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 we have, there's a lot of information over our phone and there are real privacy, you know, considerations when it comes to allowing the government to search, you know, our phones. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, a lot of, you know, technology and privacy advocates said was, you know, as soon as Apple introduced this face ID or touch ID, they kind of called it, you know what I mean? No longer, you know, will we have, will we be afforded the same protections as we were with the passcode, you know, and they kind of called it right, you know, aside from this recent case out of California. So just know that it does seem like, you know, one, they have to get a warrant to search your phone, right? Either way, they have to get a warrant. They cannot search your phone, your phone without a warrant. Um, they have to get a warrant to obtain your, you know, your cell phone location information. But once they get that warrant, they may be able to compel you to use your fingerprint or your face ID. Definitely keep that in mind. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, this is going to be a short episode. I definitely wanted to put that out there. I hope this was I hope this is information that you could use. Please feel free to tell people to listen to us wherever we're on just about anywhere you can find podcasts. And I hope to talk to you all soon. Have a great day and be blessed.